This week's podcast is a bit different. My co-host Christopher Styers, a published author, his work found on Amazon and Barnes and Noble is off because I had the opportunity to sit down one-on-one with mega producer Carol Baum. Carol's a petite woman with an outsized portfolio. She has worked with legendary people in Hollywood, including a stint with Sand Dollar Productions, Dolly Parton's production company. I was in awe of the diversity and scope of her work. Starting in 1984, she's had 32 movies produced and is actively working on five more in various stages of production. Carol's films have ranged from Dead Ringers to Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Father of the Bride, and most recently she stormed the halls of Hallmark with her numerous Christmas films. She discovered the little-known novel The Shining when she was working in New York and introduced it to the people who would eventually make the film. I had originally reached out to Carol to ask her about writing a Christmas movie for an article I'm working on for Creative Screenwriting Magazine. She generously accepted, and we had a wonderful conversation in the kitchen of her beautiful home. You might notice the marked difference in the quality of the recording since I used my H4N recorder instead of the condenser mics. In the future, I probably will go with the mics on any remote I do. Again, I'd like to thank Carol, who is unendingly gracious and so very knowledgeable about the business of Hollywood. I hope you enjoy this discussion as much as I did. This is Plot Points Podcast. For seeing me, I really appreciate it. And I'm, you have a an amazing filmography. Um, uh, you know, I don't. I'm not sure. I think you started in 1984. Was your okay. first something like that? What but that? I started publishing first. Oh, okay. I had a New York career I'm from New York. Okay. And when you have a publishing career before you come into the movie business, it's a great foundation. Why? I well because you're you're reading. Manuscripts uh-huh. before anybody decides whether they're good uh, or not. The galleys and stuff they like that. No manuscripts. Oh, manuscripts. Okay. Before um, they've even been accepted to be published, so you're making a decision based on nothing, based on your own sense of mm. what's commercial or not commercial. And I worked for Bantam Books and Random House, and the stuff would come in from agents in a box. Mm. I don't know what they do now. I guess they don't have those boxes anymore. And so my job as a reader, that's how I started, was to say, this is publishable, this is not publishable, and things would get to the next step. So that skill, which I developed for years in New York... This was, oh, in New York, right? In New York, really served me well when I came out here, because here, because people, you know, are afraid of books here. So you're sort of ahead of the game if you know how to decipher a manuscript and know whether it's good or not. And I found uh, had off uh, and not an agent's desk, a publisher's desk, a copy of The Shining. And I brought The Shining to my wow. then boss, the producer circle, and they bought it and became The Shining. So when by the time I came out here and got my first Hollywood job, I had that under my belt. And that gave me a sense of who I was and what I had to contribute. And it was uh, 
literate. Mm. You know, that I always was writer-oriented, which was a skill that you learn when you're reading manuscripts and novels. And and then when I came out here, I sort of traded in the, the book thing for writers, and my specialty became getting to know writers and read, reading every script that was around, which mm. I couldn't do anymore because there are too many now. Yeah, right. But when I came out here so many years ago... It was possible to do that. It was really possible to be on top of all the writers. Really? I don't know why it, there was so many, so fewer. Maybe that's maybe I was younger and I read a lot more. I don't know. But um, now you couldn't writing script. Right, everybody exactly. Yeah. So. So why did you uh, come out here in the first place? Well, my husband had a movie going called oh. Carney, which he wrote. Oh, wow, original, yeah. An original movie. And it was time to expand. I had, uh, from, after publishing, had a couple movie jobs in New York. And they were movie jobs in New York. It wasn't right. Time to do the California thing. And he was told by his agent that if he wanted a career as a screenwriter, he needed to come out here together we decided to move. It was a very big deal, very hard. If you're a real New Yorker and I am, very hard to come. Yeah, to completely different, right? Yeah, yeah, very, very different. And I had two little kids at the time, so I'm amazed we did it. It was, it was something. It was a big deal. Do you, do you miss, I mean, how, do you, yeah, you still miss it? All the time. Yeah, 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 I can imagine. And my best friends are there. Any, so. any, think, any thought about going back at some point? Too cold. Oh. <laughs> I'm cold today. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> you know, now now the, the weather, which I do miss, I miss the seasons yeah. and all that stuff snow. that we talk about and the leaves, but the winter, January, February, March. Right. Like, the time it gets to be March, you want to be someplace. Yeah, I don't right. think I could tolerate that anymore. Yeah. I mean, this is nice. Yeah. This is a yeah, nice it's, lifestyle. It's hard to, hard to be. You can complain about it. Yeah. So what was your first uh, experience out here? What kind of what kind of made the made Carol bomb? I mean, where where did you go? Well, my first Hollywood job was working for John Peters. Oh, wow. And John Peters Goober Peters, right? Way before Google. Oh, way before. Wow. It was, it was called JPO, it was the John Peters organization, and at the time he was dating Barbara Streisand. So my job, and I was brought in as the head of the company, it was a little tiny company on mm-hmm. Warner's lot, was to service John and Barbara. Even though it wasn't her company, she was around a lot. And John, when he hired me, he said, I want you to find me The Shining. What? The same as the one you... Yeah, yeah, he wanted me to do that for him. Which I tried to do. Uh-huh. Uh, but because he doesn't read anything... And the books were not as accessible to me. I decided to do it a different way. And I became the idea person, the writer person. Okay. And Barbara had a lot of original stories that she wanted to develop. So we did those. She would have an idea or a book or something, and she'd say, find me a writer. Wow. And our deal was with... Uh, Orion on the Warner's lot. And Mike Metaboy was head of Orion. And so 
they were very close. John Peters and, and Mike Medavoy were very close. So I became the, kind of the middle guy. I would go to Medavoy and say, I found a writer for Bar- one of Barbara's. I could say yes or no. Mostly no. <laughs> but, but, um, and so I, I met everybody. Mm. When you have a job like that, yeah. you meet everybody. Everybody, sure. And what I learned was um, it was time to expand and go to a studio, 20th Century Fox, as an mm. executive. I wanted to just see what that was like, to be on the inside. And so I became an executive at Fox, and uh, and that was really fun. My boss got fired, as happens. So there was a regime change, mm-hmm. and then I got fired, because we all got fired. Right. So then I learned what that was like. You can't have one of those jobs and not get it's a, And I thought, all right, well, that's too bad because I like being a studio executive. Uh, Sandy Gallon is a very well-known, deceased now. Sandy Gallon is a very well-known music manager, and he handled Neil Diamond and Dolly Parton and oh, Ben Davis and the Pointer Sisters and a bunch of comics. And he was starting a movie company, and he wanted somebody like me mm-hmm. to run his movie company. And he didn't know who anybody was, so I had to get in there through, I guess, CAA kind of put me together with Sandy, and he hired me, and I was there for 10 years. And there, I was able to do all the, the kind of pictures you say that, that are all different kinds, all different kinds. Yeah, there you have a you have an amazingly diverse resume. Well, at Sand Dollar, which was, Sand Dollar was a very plugged-in company because we were represented by CAA and because Sandy had all those clients, we got a lot of attention from them. Oh, so I, okay. the material came. Was I this, didn't have to go chase it. Were these, was this Michael Ovitz uh, yeah. at the time, ahead of the... Ovitz was our agent. Gotcha. He wasn't our agent, but Ovitz he was, was your... part, of, part of our life. Wow. And when and it was Dolly Parton, Sandy Gallon's company, and when Dolly went into CAA for a meeting... Mike Ovitz and Ron Meyer were there at the table. So that was, I just took it for granted. I thought, well, this is what it's like. Yeah, it uh, and it's not what it's like. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but but uh, there was so much activity. There was so much material. We had access to every best-selling book. We were in the auction process for Jurassic Park. And uh, and then I continued on my personal Search for write for new writers and new projects mm. because that's what I like. So I was Sandy, just let us go, wow. do whatever we wanted. That's like a dream. It was a dream job. Yeah, no it was kidding. a dream job. Except that when I started to enjoy more independent films, Sandy wasn't happy. Okay. Everything needed to be big for right. him. Right. Everything needed to be Father of the Bride, a home run, right. and he would say, "Is this a home run?" No, it's says Sandy. No. <laughs> we, we were launching some careers here. Of right. Brilliant people like right. Noah Bombeck. He would say, "I don't, I don't want you to do that." And so that, yeah. so that's when I went off on my own because I thought, you know what? I, that's what I increasingly was doing. I liked those projects more, right. like the independent things because they were writer driven. They were tasty little character pieces, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it was time for me to move on, so 10 years is enough. Do you think, um, 
I happen to adore producers who love writers, obviously because I'm a writer. Do you think, uh, and I've worked with some great, in, I've done a bunch of B-movies, but they've been great experiences because of the producers. Do you think that the business is moving away from that? Is it Nobody or, likes producers. <laughs> Nobody likes Why? producers. We don't get any credit for anything. No, that's probably it's true. Really, you know, what, the studios now doing the big pictures take over everything. But don't you think part of that is because there's not producers out there like you who have a literary background who I can speak pl- to I think the, there are plenty of them. You know, you do? And, okay. Yeah, and I think everybody complains about it. In fact, um, I'm, a, I'm a mentor at the Stark program, the Peter Stark program oh, okay. at USC. Sure. Uh-huh. Very big deal program. Harry uh-huh. Terman, who produced the graduate, is the head of it. Are you doing any work in television at all? Or trying you... to be a, yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm always selling something uh-huh. or other. I've had a couple of television projects that I think are worthy, uh-huh. and sure, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's a writer's medium. Uh, if you're a non writing producer, which is what I am, mm-hmm. not so good. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were a writer, if I were a writing producer, better. Yeah, not, because not you could be, because you you be showrunner and you could yeah. write and run yeah. the writers' room and, and, all and that. Wayne or anybody will say to me, "Well, you've got to do that." Yeah, I say, "But I don't do that." So you know, yeah, it happens. Uh, it's, what's the most religious experience you've ever had? What 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 movie elevated your consciousness after you uh, were done with it? Well, I think Finding the Shining was mm. kind of that's a, pretty a, that's a pretty, pretty huge. major, yeah, actually. But I didn't produce it. I just you know, I well, developed it with Stephen King. I worked on it. I understood it. Mm. I supported it and promoted it. But then Cooper made a movie. Right. Asked me what I thought. Um, but the movies that I worked on at Sand Dollar, which I did produce, I think the first, you know, the first, I guess, is the one you remember. Uh, the first was um, Dead Ringers. Oh, yeah. Which, um, which David Cronenberg Cronenberg, right. And that I did before Sand Dollar. And I, when I was in New York, it was another book that I found. And, uh, one of the ladies who played it in my poker game, she was developing a book about the Marcus twins. It was a true story. Front page of the New York The Times. gynecologists. The two yeah. gynecologists who died and they never figured out really what happened for right. saying that they were drug addicts. Okay. And I became fixated on that story. And because she was in my poker game, she let me have the book for a small option. Okay. They put up, it's the only time I think I've ever done this, I put up my own money. And a true producer. We, we try not, well, we try not to do that. No, I know you uh, did. I guess but I, I did. I didn't know any better and she insisted and so I think it took 10 or 15 years for the movie to get made, but I was uh, devoted to it. Mm. And when David Carnberg became involved, I was very excited mm. because he's yeah, absolutely. so brilliant and so right for it. But then another years came came and went because he couldn't get the financing for it because mm. he wasn't David Cronenberg yet. Right. So it wasn't until he directed The Fly, which was a huge commercial success, Love that movie. did they let him do, well, what do you want to do, David? And he oh, said, I want, I'm do, nice. I want to do David. So that's what happened. Yeah, that, that does happen a lot, right? You get yeah. you get famous. You get, you get to have a big movie and then and you get somebody, to do your, your, your dream, labor of love. Right, your, uh, and your, this was his labor of love. It was Dead Ringers. And Dead Ringers, yeah. and so it's my labor of love. I think. Yeah, it's a good, it's a damn good movie. Yeah. 
I remember it's so, I mean, he, he's quite a visual artist, but he also knows how to scare the bejesus out of he you. He certainly you, does. Yeah. Jane and I did a movie called Just in Time for Christmas for Hallmark Hall of Fame. Okay. That was the first one. When was, was that, that was a couple years ago? It was or? a few years okay. ago. Just in Time for Christmas. And Hallmark Hall of Fame was still happening. What is Hallmark Hall of Fame? Well, How is it differentiated? From- it was bigger budget. Okay. More dramatic. It wasn't the romantic comedies that the Hallmark Channel does. Oh. It was a piece that could have been a feature. Could have been a regular feature. They wrote it for as a feature. And I don't even remember how I got it to these people. Where did it come and from to you? It was an original script given to me by an agent named Steve White. Okay. You know no. Steve White used to be Warden White, and he was a very active writer's agent. And I've known him for years. I think that's how it happened. But he gave me this original script, mm-hmm. and I thought it was terrific. And somebody must have said to us, go to Hallmark Hall of Fame with this. Sometimes I don't remember who. We made the picture. It happened very quickly. Like, we sold it in April, and it was on the air in October. It was very fast. And then they said they wanted to do two more with us. And I thought, okay, this is nice. This is easy. So that was your first? So that was the first one, and that was very good experience. Mm -hmm. And then my partner, Jane Goldenring, had made a couple of them on her own. Mm-hmm. And I said, after doing this with Jane, I said, we should do this. This is a way to be. Mm-hmm. This, we love romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Can't get them made as features. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of my favorite subject for romantic comedies. Yeah, I love romantic comedies, too. When they're done right, they're if, You know, I'm not done right that often, but I, I yeah. always gravitated towards... I think I only made one romantic comedy called IQ with Meg Ryan. And that was meant to be, Andy Breckman wrote right. that too. Oh, okay. That was meant to be that kind of movie. Right. Um, but it was Meg Ryan. Mm, yeah. The peak she, of her career. Wow. In Walter Matthau. And it was, oh, God. I, I'm very fond of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Very fond of it. Anyway, so, so then Jane and I started talking to agents and writers and people we know and say, what do you got for Hallmark? Uh-huh. And that's what happened. Wow. And that's what we're doing now. I ha- we have now... Maybe four active projects at Hallmark. You mean in production or to move into? It's just they're in development. Oh, so, oh, okay. so who knows? You know, who knows what's really going to happen? Right. You just don't know. Sure. One is in the notes phase, okay. which we're talking about right now. One, uh, the writer-director is about to start writing. It's from a book. Okay. Christmas in London. So oh, nice. We get to go to, you, maybe we get to go yeah, to London. Yeah, see your song. Maybe not. Um, and... The others are, uh, one's an idea, and another one's a script, and mm. they're, you don't know whether they're back burner, mm. sometimes people, this is what people say about homework, you could sit around for a year, and then they'll call you up and they'll say, we're making it tomorrow. Oh my God. That's kind of the way what they happens. Mm. They don't know. Uh, you'll hear that they have all their holiday movies mm-hmm. ready, and then uh, you don't try to sell them anything, and then all of a sudden they're free. Aren't they making, aren't they doing like a 
Christmas movie a week or something like that? More or? than that. Oh, really? I mean, they made last year they made like ninety. I don't know. They made wow. They made a ton of, of movies, not all of them Christmas, but holiday. So yeah. You, so, right. so okay. if you have a script, for example, which we have, and it has no holiday, we'll turn it into one. Oh, Valentine's Day. Christmas, oh, okay. Uh, Easter. Whatever it is, the movie has to be, because that's how they promote them, and that's what they are. Right. And their Christmas fair is, yeah, every week, you know. Um, well, that sounds like a good place don't, to... Don't get me wrong, I love Hollywood, you know. We we love it. Yeah. You, you couldn't do it with all the crap that you have to deal with if you didn't love it. So, any grand. So. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll let you well, go. Well, this was fun. Okay, so I messed up and did do a neat ending, and thank you to my amazing guest, Carol Baum. I have no excuse. Thank you, Carol, for your hospitality and for graciously sharing some of your hard-won knowledge. You made my year. For myself, Chris Styers, and all our listeners, happy holidays. Be safe. Cherish your loved ones. And as always, be inspired. Do good work. <laughs>